It's time for Around the Ozark Sports Scene with Scott Perrier. Now here's your host, Scott Perrier. Welcome to another edition of Around the Ozark Sports Scene. I am Scott Perrier. Pleasure to have you uh, joining me today on this week's podcast. As always, we start with our look back, look ahead segment to what's going on in the local, regional, national world of sports, and we start with a big congratulations to the Lamar and Marionville football teams on their high school state championships. They won those last weekend in Columbia. Also, congratulations to state runners-up in Republic and Seneca. Great showing by all of our representatives from the Ozarks, and, and a job well done. Missouri State Bears basketball took one on the chin at Valley favorite Drake in Des Moines last Saturday. But the Bears uh, took a 6-2 and two record into a midweight game at Middle, Middle Tennessee. They're back home this Saturday at 6 to host Sam Houston at Great Southern Bank Arena on Art Haynes Day. A really great thing that the Missouri State's doing, recognizing Art Haynes, uh, not only for his decades of great work as the voice of the Bears, but his amazing comeback uh, and continued recovery from West Nile virus. So hope everyone will get out and support the Bears and Art Haynes on Saturday at Great Southern Bank Arena. Lady Bears took a 3-2 and two record in a midweek clash with state rival um, Zoo. They'll be home on Saturday as well. They've got uh, former Missouri Valley Conference rival Wichita State in town for a 1 p.m. start at Great Southern Bank Arena. And it's Hall of Fame Day over at Drury on Saturday uh, on the basketball floor. Lady Panthers and Panthers both play host to Southwest Baptist in Great Lakes Valley Conference action. Uh, congratulations to the Drury Hall of Famers going in, including Heather Harmon Michael the former Walnut Grove and Lady Panther basketball standout, as well as Dan Cashel, the longtime sports information director and administrator over at Drew University. Congrats to you two and all the inductees. Her basketball team is off to a 6-2 and two start, now in her fourth season at Grand Canyon University. Got a big game this Friday night at Arizona State. They're 2-0 in the WAC already. She's the head coach of the Lopes, but she's also the former Kickapoo High and Drew University basketball legend, Mrs. Molly Carter-Miller. Hello, Molly. Hey, Scotty P. How are you? I guess I can go malls if you're going to go Scotty P. with me here, right? So <laughs> we, go, we go way back. We go we way, way back, yes, to, uh, to when you were interviewed probably as a four-year-old, maybe, or five-year-old, <laughs> uh, the first time that anybody probably talked to you about basketball. But uh, off, off to a good start, uh, six and two, kind of give me the, uh, the lowdown on the Lopes here uh, in the first uh, month of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying coaching this team. They're fun. They're um, a little bit older, so there's that maturity and experience factor that has helped, I think, the process of bringing in eight new faces and trying to get them on the same page and buy into a brand. And um, we haven't quite hit our stride yet, but we've seen some really bright moments. And, I mean, no one wants to peak, obviously, in November and December. We want to trend upward until um, you get into February, March basketball. And I think that's what we're doing. Um, We just had a 29-point win against a conference opponent last Saturday. So it's been it's been a process, but it's been a fun one with this team. And they have come from, these transfers have come from different systems. So I think the defense is always kind of gets them um, staring like a deer in headlights sometimes. But um, we've, these past four games have held teams in the first quarter to single-digit scoring. And that's what um, I know you remember from the good old jury days, just that suffocating defense. So that's been fun to implement. But 
I've had to do it a little bit differently this year because, you know, so many new faces and it's a different system and they have some bad habits to break or maybe not bad habits, but just habits to break. And um, so we're we're catching our stride, a really fun group. I enjoy the individuals on the team. You mentioned a big game Friday night at, at Arizona State. They came to your place last year, I believe, and you had more than 6,000 fans, which was a, a home crowd record. What kind of environment are you expecting there this week? And and help a non-local. Is it Tempe or Tempe? What do we say here? I I don't know if I'm a local to be able to say yet after three years, but I say Tempe. Okay. Uh, Will it be a big atmosphere there as well? Is this a rivalry game for you now or or a budding one? I mean, definitely, yeah. In-state, down the road, we're about 25 miles apart. So, um, obviously, them being a part of the pac twat. Pac-12, um, well, last year for the Pac-12, I guess. Yeah. Um, the, it's it's a big, you know, game that we want to bold and underline and asterisk on our end and um, a good opportunity for us. A little bit of a head-scratcher. They put it at 1 p.m. on a Friday. So um, wow. I don't know what that's going to do for the crowd. I know we got 6,000 people there last year, so I'm hoping it's a little bit of an odd time of day, but I'm hoping some – Loyal Lopes can show up, but it is kind of in the middle of a class day. So that was kind of a unique characteristic of the game. Is it a kid's day or, or anything there or just a one o'clock Friday no, game? No, we thought it might be um, they might aim for a kid's day game, but then they kept it at one and it's not a kid's day game. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's some good bulletin board material for us, hopefully. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, we look at it now. You're 247 and 46 in, in 10 seasons as a head coach. Um, I, I think if you keep 200 games above your losses or 200 wins above your losses, that's a pretty good pace to keep if you can just make a note of that the rest of the way. Um, Got it. Of course, at Drury, six years, 180 and 17, 35 and 1 in, in 2018 19, national runner up, unbeaten in 2020, 32 and 0, number one in the country when the stupid. COVID virus and pandemic hit. But I think back to to Molly Miller, left jury, uh, you know, all the accolades as a player there, and got got into PR and for, I believe, for some kind of a health-related firm. Tell me again what got you into coaching, got you back into it, and did you ever imagine uh, in your 30s you'd be coaching basketball? I I didn't, and it's just a a path that I really think was – written in the stars for me and it's a God thing that he's kind of placed me on this journey. And I, I knew I was kind of outgoing. I mean, if you've met my mother, Cindy Carter hasn't met a stranger, just lights up the room. So I think I got some of my, um, marketing, managing people, just relationship building from her. And so I thought, okay, marketing PR, that might be a good route for me. And so I got my MBA and then was a marketing director for a group of neurosurgeons in Springfield. And um, it was funny when uh, Coach Harold had a job opening, everyone was in my ear like, you should apply for the jury assistant job. And so people actually got me thinking. I didn't think of it. I mean, I loved the game. I was a point guard, so I had a pretty good basketball IQ. You know, grew up with some great Stephanie Phillips, Sue Schubel. I got to be coached by some high school greats. And then obviously the architect of the program, Nyla Millison, was one of my coaches. So I had really good influencers as coaches throughout my playing career. And um, it kind of got me thinking I had to take about a $15,000 pay cut 
and I don't know why, but it just kind of felt right. I'm like, wow, I loved this game so much. I, I obviously missed it. But in my back of my mind, I was like, could I handle it as a coach? Like, I don't know if I can be on the sidelines. And that's probably why maybe I didn't think about coaching in the, the beginning. I just couldn't imagine not directly involving the game and, and being a, a component to the competition. But I've been able to filter that now as a coach, and it's been really interesting how I just had one conversation with Coach Harold, and I was like, would you encourage this? And he was like, heck yeah, I'd encourage it. <laughs> so was able to be an assistant there and then, um, you know, had to kind of take my turn, probably a little young when there was the job opening when Steve Huber took over, um, but stayed on staff and then... I guess, earned that interim title for, oh gosh, it was probably about a couple months before they took it off. And it was just meant to be. I mean, the support I felt there as a player just trickled onto my coaching career and the people have been phenomenal. And and I don't want to get your head too big, Scott, but you're a really big reason why there was so much buy-in to athletics in those early jury days. And it just felt like home and it felt right. And it ended up being right. And definitely the hardest decision of my life to leave Drury. It was, I mean, I tackled with it till the 12th hour and, you know, after some prayer, I'm like, what if I could maybe extend this, my net a little bit bigger, cast it a little bit bigger because felt like I had been impactful as a player and I'd been in Springfield my whole entire life. So it was even maybe more of a human growth move and an adult spread your wings move and, you know, just bigger and better things. I don't think that at all. Drury is an incredible place, and I would have had a great career and continued probably to have a great career there. But I got to get outside my comfort zone and grow as a human being, and um, Grand Canyon was a great fit. You know, it, it kind of emulates Drury and that private Christian university, no football. So it was a very easy transition for me, and same thing like jury. We had the resources to be able to win and recruit players. And same thing here. We've got great resources. I feel like we can win. So long and short of it, it was tough, but it, it just has ended up working out. And who knew from my marketing days that I'd actually go into coaching. And um, I will say the marketing job in my MBA has helped me in coaching. There's so many behind the scenes that people have no idea, you know, when you're reconciling a budget, when you're managing a staff of 15 to 20, when you're managing a team, when you're hiring the HR point. So my business degree did come in handy for my coaching career. Well, and, and I've told people since I've known you forever that you get it. You understand all the facets that go into being a head coach and beyond the X's and O's. It is the marketing. It's coming up with promotions, especially on the women's side where the fights may be a little tougher sometimes to get people to your games and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, and that being said, I've talked to several coaches, you know, on and off the air in the last uh, few months, couple years, and the game has changed, especially on the men's side with the portal and with the NIL and, and the kids wanting this and that and all that. And a lot of the older coaches say it's it's just not fun anymore. Is it still fun for you? And, and is it a profession now that you can look at and say, you know, I'm in my 30s, I can see myself still doing this in my 50s or 60s and what, what are your thoughts about when you look ahead and what do you see yeah when when I have those moments of like what did I get myself into yeah. <laughs> I think 
but I wouldn't be doing anything else that would bring me this much joy. So it's this double-edged sword of there's dynamics now in the profession that obviously I'm still on my front nine, but within the past three years have changed dramatically and has really changed the way you have to adapt and you have to coach and adaptability, I think has got to be a buzzword for coaches and you get what you put into it, especially when you're talking about kind of player relationships. Gone are the days where you just step out on the basketball coach and push someone and, and challenge someone and just coach them. So, and that's okay. That's that's not a bad thing. But I also think there's a lot more um, of your time that you have to be committed to, which for me, now I'm trying to find the balance. How do I be a mom? How do I be a wife with all these kind of extracurricular coaching requirements in today's day and age. Again, which I don't mind. I, I like kind of spending the extra time and building time. But if there was 38 hours in the day, I'd be a lot better off. But again, when I think of can I sustain this for the long term, the answer is yes, because I couldn't see myself doing anything else. This brings me so much joy. I'm a competitor at heart, so I get to release those competitive juices I think when you're surrounded like a school like Drury and Grand Canyon, that helps with the people that are put in place to um, be on your side, to have your back, to show you the support. That's definitely helpful in this day and age. But I just, I'm like, could I be in a computer? No. Could I, could I do what Scott does? No. Could I? <laughs> you you got to talk to, you got to be way too social, Scott. I'm social, but not as social as you. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess my next question is how do you do it as a mom? Because I know that when my wife leaves for a weekend, our house falls apart. I mean, you're, you know, and, and we talk about this age, you don't only have to recruit new players you now have to recruit your own players and, and then go right. home and, and be a mom and be a wife. Uh, how old are the kids and how have they adapted to, to mom the coach? Yeah, Crosby's seven. So she's actually starting to like get involved in a lot of activities now. She does gymnastics, tennis, little chippers, which is like a little golf thing, um, basketball, and she wanted to sign up for flag football this winter. So we did that. <laughs> Derek. So right. Derek Miller is the key <laughs> yeah. to everything. I mean, he is a saint. I, my phone kept on going off the other day. We have a, like a family calendar, and it was him putting in all the events. And I'm like, oh, Derek has a busy weekend that weekend. <laughs> Derek's got a busy day today. So he absolutely takes on that role of kind of um, upkeep of the house and the schedule. And I couldn't, I couldn't do it without him. So I probably don't tell him enough. Um, hopefully he's not listening to this. So I don't. <laughs> no, but I do. He's so accommodating for my schedule and he just goes in. He's meant to be a dad. He's amazing at it. And he keeps our family sane. And then for me, it's just kind of incorporating my work life into what I do with the kids. Like, they love coming to the games. Their best thing is going and asking for the girls to get them a snack post-game out of our snack drawer. So I think it's fun that you can kind of blend the two and then um, have an understanding of a very supportive system. I mean, my parents are supportive. They've got a house here in Phoenix, and my mom's actually here now. My dad just left to go back to Springfield, but... You know, you get, it takes a village, and I couldn't do it without. I couldn't coach. I would. The fact of the matter is, I couldn't coach without the village. So I'm very grateful for them. We we mentioned just the crazy winning percentage. You know, two forty seven and forty six overall. Uh, your eight forty seven winning percentage coming into this year puts you in the top four with uh, 
some guy named Gino Ariema mm-hmm. and uh, Kim Mulkey at LSU as far as actives, along with Kim Stevens at Marshall. Yet you mentioned the people you've been around. I mean, from Schubel to the late Stephanie Phillips to Nyla to Steve Harold. Uh, the one thing, all those, they've always been big winners. And, and how much mm-hmm. of that, you know, at Drury, we had a thing uh, saying was all we do is win, the playoff, the, <laughs> the DU logo there. But really all you've done is win because all you've done is be around winners. I mean, you were that way. And I got to think it all started with Jack Carter and, and your youth basketball days, did it not? Oh, yeah. My dad might be the most competitive person on this planet, but he just does it in a great way. He wins the right way. And that was part of, like, I think you probably coined it, the, the Drury way. was And Steve Hesser, you know, how you win and you're going to do it the right way. And I just, we have a saying, I, I've, ever since I was at Drury, I put it at the top of the board. And it's, I always say it before we go out to play the game. To win, you have to hate to lose a little bit more than everyone else. And I think that's probably personally what it boils down to me. I just like hate losing more than I enjoy winning. So uh, I guess if you hate losing, it comes with the territory that you're going to do everything you can to, um, you know, fight to win. And I hope my players take on that personality of whatever it takes, whatever it takes to win the game, whether that's role acceptance, whether that's playing um, when you're beyond tired, whether that's playing with four fouls and we got to keep you in the game, whatever it takes. And that's kind of the mentality I've led practices with. I wanted to put my that foot forward with our programs as a brand and identity. But all those influential people from parents and high achieving coaches have definitely probably made a difference that, you know, losing's not an option. And and of course, like in in the transition from jury to GCU, I mean, they hadn't won consistently. So that was going to be a little bit of a challenge. And we're still not where I want to be. You know, I, I consider winning. You're going to go out and win the conference every year, and you know that. And it's, you know, what are you going to do in the NCAA tournament? Well, we're still working towards a goal. So although it's looked differently at these different stages and the stops I've had, I'm still trying to work to the, kind of that dominating winning <laughs> error. <laughs> well, and, and, and not competing is not an option for you either. And I just think back to – you had a kid, and then you were on the sidelines, what, two days later? Is that right? In hindsight, that probably wasn't the smartest thing. Like, who was I? <laughs> really? <laughs> Molly, you're going to go to a basketball game with a 48-hour um, sigh. But that memory was fun, I will say, Scott. I just, I don't know. This is in my blood. I love it. I love doing it with the people. And that made a good memory, but probably not the smartest looking back. And I just think back to, I think your first ever home loss on your record at Grand Canyon, I think, weren't you out with COVID? And it, yeah. still, it still counts on your head coaching record, but you weren't there to – did you fire anybody right after that or not, you know? <laughs> no, it's so funny. My assistants felt so bad. I'm like, you guys, it's okay. It's fine. But uh, that was truly ironic. But um, we're we're trying to piece more home wins together, and I think this team's got a really good shot at, at competing for a conference title. So – Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can uh, live up to the standard. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, we talk about COVID, and, of course, it was just a dark time for everyone. But, you know, I've been in the sports media world for four decades, and, and I can't think of anything more cruel than the way things ended for uh, a couple of your seniors there with the 32-0 record, 
your number one team in America at Drury in Division Two in 2020. The pandemic hits, and they call off the uh, the NCAA tournament. And we understand now why they did, because of what the aftermath was. But what do you remember about that day, and does it still just sting and hurt for you? I, I thought time would heal it. Like, it actually gets worse with time, if you can imagine that, because I think in that moment we were all stunned and shocked. I'm thankful we were together because we got to, like, kind of mourn that, and I guess it was some type of closure that we could talk about, and, you know, our health and our safety comes first. And I think in my mind, weeks after, I'm like, we're just going to do it again next year. So I, I had that thought, because at Drury, every year we were competing for national championship. Now that I realize how hard that is to actually do, it's devastating. It is gut-wrenching to think those seniors who have put so much into it now just have to, like, live with it. And it doesn't get a lot of attention. You know, here we are at Drury University, probably marching our way to a national championship. We're undefeated. No one's come close to us in the regular season. All of a sudden, it's cut. Like, and now it's just it just is. And there's no redos. There's no – it's just – it's such a tough pill to swallow and especially now that I realize how hard that is to do because um, like I said I was like well we'll just we'll, we'll go for it again next year and of course you felt for the seniors that was my biggest hurt and heartache was for our seniors because they had made it to the final four and they were determined to all the, go all the way this year and they had proven that in the regular season so I don't think it's something you really get over and you live with that heartache for a lifetime knowing that it's so hard to get back there. It's just, it's tough, but at the end of the day, you know, undefeated, that's nothing to um, be ashamed of, a very proud um, accomplishment for us. And then we got to think maybe we were honorary national champs that year. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, you are historically it's not a great thing but the only un- team undefeated finisher ever not to win a national championship i would guess <laughs> in in that regard but that needs and, more press yeah and, and i think that am i correct that they did not give those seniors an extra year because you got kids now playing five and six years and you can't keep track of how many have used a covid year but deja bernard uh, who was on your staff and and the, was she a senior that year if i remember correctly yeah, I mean, really four-year yeah. starters yeah. for us. And, I mean, if I was more affluent, I think, in, like, law and practice, it makes sense. I know a lot of teams – well, 64. The 64-team tournament had been announced. So everyone else had played a full season. But for those 64, those seniors, they still had season left. And you granted a whole nother year for um, the kids next year who played the full year. I just – I wish that would have been looked at and maybe pressed a little bit harder, but we were just, it was, it was a whirlwind at that point. Like I know Deja and Haley would have came back and gone for another shot at it. So yeah, things, there's a lot of questions, not a lot of answers, but you know, you can be proud of the people who they were at the end of the day, what they accomplished in their career. And now their jerseys are hanging in the rafters. So that's, there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. As we as we start to wrap this up, what have you learned the most about you and and in general the job and in in the transition from D two head coach to D one? What's been the most challenging aspect, um, you know, on or off the court? Oh man, that's a great question. I think we had such a well oiled machine there at Jury. I could kind of confidently step in as a young coach 
and have confidence. And Deja says I've gotten softer as the years go on, but (laughs) maybe that's a little bit of, you know, who I coached and how I coached and what I stepped into. And then when you're trying to change culture and a program, um, I think I have gotten better with age and you're a little bit naive as a young coach. I thought I knew a lot, but I really didn't. I've learned so much. Um, I mean, when we, I didn't learn much when we were blowing teams out by 20 and 30 and 40 points, but I've been in some tight games. I've been able to understand a little bit more strategy as, as you try to, when, when the margin of error isn't as great as maybe we had some room at jury. So I've, I've become a lot better coach, um, and I still have a ways to go. I mean, I'm going to be a better coach tomorrow than I am today and down the road. And I think just having that awareness of you have so much to learn, I, I probably thought I knew a little bit more than I actually did in those early days at jury. And I still need to study the game. I need to figure out how to make connections. I need to, um, in this day and age, how to succeed. And that's going to be, you got to be adaptable. But I think I can get better. And I've got, I've, I've become a lot better coach, but I've got so far to go. So I'm just embracing that and trying to learn how to be better every day for this team and my kids and the program and my staff. And um, that takes a lot of effort and effort I have to be willing to kind of make and put into. So it's been a fun journey, but hopefully a lot more um, to learn and, and grow throughout the years. Year uh, four for you at uh, GCU, had a couple 21 seasons already, 18 and another, off to a good start this year, still looking for that first NCAA tournament bid. Is this a team that can do it for you? This is. We've got the pieces. I, I say the best ability sometimes is availability. So if the pieces can stay healthy and we can continue to play um, as a team, then this team has the talent for sure. And I, I think we also have um, some of the experience. That's probably what we were lacking in those first couple of years to get over the hump is we didn't really have good playoff experience or tournament experience. Even in the conference tournament, they had never made a championship game, and we've done that two out of our three years. So I think getting some of those returners to have that experience under their belt will help this team. But, um, yeah, we're, the coaches think we can do it. We're preseason number one in the in the coaches' poll, which was a first for us, too. So some of these firsts have been nice, but it's time to get over the hump, in my opinion. So a um, little bit of luck, a lot of skill along the way. You just hope things fall into place at the right time because right now we are a one-bid league, and that's the nature of you got to go win your conference tournament. So you got to be playing pretty good for four, three or four games there in March and see what happens. But, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully we can compete for a regular season conference title, which would be a first as well. Before we let you go, a couple things you miss about the Ozarks. Any foods, well, any, any stops anywhere? What do you got? I mean, there's so many restaurant options here, but I just feel like I know my places back in Springfield. So I'll I'll do some Chinese cravings every once in a while for sure. I love St. Michael's cake and Andy's ice cream. So those are good cravings for me too. And um, I mean, I miss the people and that's something that I feel like I could always come back there and it'll feel like home. So I'm trying to figure out a visit maybe this summer. So put put me on your calendar, Scotty P. You owe me dinner and Andy's ice cream. Will do, Molly. Appreciate your time. Best luck to you, and we'll be rooting for you from the Ozarks. Thanks. Hello to everyone. Miss you, and, and have a great holiday season. You too. Thanks, Molly. 
It's time for Scott's Thoughts, my weekly ramblings and musings on things going on in the world of sports in the area and beyond. Uh, Mizzou had a strong 10-2 football regular season finish, and uh, they are rewarded with a berth in the Cotton Bowl against uh, Ohio State. A great test for the Tigers. Uh, a win in that one would be a huge springboard for Mizzou in terms of football recruiting momentum and fan excitement going into the offseason for a program that's now relevant, again, nationally for the first time in more than a decade. Also, congrats to Eli Drinkowitz on being named SEC Coach of the Year. Never been a big drink guy in his first uh, couple seasons there, but got to say I've, I've uh, gained respect for the guy and what he's done with that uh, turnaround up there uh, with Mizzou football. Arkansas was a good landing place for Bobby Petrino as their offensive coordinator. Really a classic case of being a great fit at the right time. With Arkansas struggling on offense, Texas A&M undergoing the house cleaning with Jimbo Fisher and and Bobby losing a job that way. But a great landing spot for him to be able to uh, try to get the Hogs offensively to bounce back with all his uh, offensive genius. And it's very clear that Arkansas, judged by the reaction to Bobby's return, is a very forgiving lot after his uh, motorcycle uh, led departure back uh, almost a decade or more ago. But uh, should be a great fit for Bobby Petrino and wish him the best. And I think Arkansas had to make a move like this to retain a lot of those kids uh, in the portal and give them hope for at least a step forward in offense next year. Finally, um, embarrassing moment up at the uh, Missouri State Football Championships. Didn't involve any of the Springfield area schools, but uh, – what happened at the end of the Class Six uh, state championship game just should never happen. Uh, Liberty North and and CBC out of St. Louis were playing. Uh, Liberty North was winning uh, comfortably. Game was called with about three minutes left because the CBC coach uh, decided to ask the officials to call it out of fear for safety of his players the rest of the way. I guess it was getting very chippy. Uh, up to that point, I believe that CBC had been called for five or six different uh, personal fouls, unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Um, you know, it's it's egg on the face for Misha, for that game crew, for both schools not being able to maintain a, a sense of decorum in a state championship game. Uh, if you're a CBC coach, why not just get your own kids and your coaches under control and finish out the final three minutes of a game instead of looking like you're just taking your ball and going home? Um Officials could have called both coaches to midfield, said cut the crap, start ejecting coaches and kids if they didn't, and get through the final uh, final three minutes. Otherwise, it just looks like a giant black eye for the state association in a year where Mish has taken a few blows to the face uh, with some of their decisions uh, on and off the court. So um, personally, I think the CBC coach uh, you know, ought to be on some kind of a suspension to start the year next year, but that's up to the school of Misha. Be sure to enter the 12 Days of Christmas with Around the Ozarks contest. It's live now. Go to aroundtheozarks.com site. You'll get a chance to win gift cards from great area restaurants like Jim's Steakhouse, Civil Kitchen, Fazoli's, and Village Inn. Or you could take home prizes like tickets to the Springfield Symphony, Alamo Draft House, and the grand prize is a signed jersey by former Kansas City Chiefs star Dwayne Bowe. It's the 12 Days of Christmas with Around the Ozarks. Enter for your chance to win now. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week on Around the Ozark Sports.